Welcome to the Musical Communication Podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Ploger, and during these podcasts, I'm looking forward to being able to explore all aspects of what it is to be musical, whether that is how we can be more musical as musicians or how we can understand why we love music and why we think it's musical or why it isn't. So we'll be exploring everything from how to perform music, how to listen to music, as well as aspects of music perception perception and cognition. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Musical Communication Podcast. My name is Karen and I am your host and I'm sitting here with Marianne. Hello Marianne. Hello Karen. How are you today? Really good. Are you excited to talk about science and the brain? I am. I always love that. I'm so excited you guys. Um, So we're going to piggyback on our previous episode where we talked a little bit about improvisation and all sorts of things and kind of bring that into context with some more science and in the actual brain, which I am so excited about, Marianne. I can't wait to pick your brain. Um, let's just kind of start off with this whole concept of neuroplasticity, and maybe we can bring it to a very basic element and maybe just kind of share with us what that means, what that is, and then we'll get into all the stuff. Very good. Yeah. So more and more scientists are finding that the brain is plastic, meaning that stroke victims can improve even after seven or more years of being unable to speak because of damage to the left hemisphere, Broca's region. Even then, scientists are figuring out how to retrain the brain such that people can learn to speak almost normally after that long following a stroke. So in the past, it was believed that, no, so sorry, your brain is the way it is. And uh, as of 35, your age, uh, you're going to have no ability to change your brain. In fact, it's all downhill from here. And I grew up with that. And in fact, that was the prevalent way of thinking when I started to teach. So neuroplasticity has it quite the contrary, that in fact, if you have any kind of difficulty, you can reroute how you think such that you can improve your brain. This is helping with depression, and being able to overcome it, even without drugs, and that is being able to help people with tremendous challenges to the brain. Big damage to the brain, like with a stroke, can be fixed. The brain will rewire itself. So this is an important concept. I must say, I'm gonna brag a bit, because I was a believer in neuroplasticity from the time I began to teach. One of the reasons for that is because when I was in high school, I was given a test, I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, and that it was shown that, oh, you know, you have about a 79% aptitude in music. When I took the test, frankly, I wasn't very interested in the test, and uh, I, I just basically didn't care at that point because I wasn't going to go into music. And then a few years later, I changed my mind and decided, no, I was going to be a musician and I was going to be a very good musician. So I took the test again and then suddenly I got a very high score. So the teacher though had said it's like an IQ test. You know, your IQ is your IQ. So neuroplasticity is the idea that we can change our brain and that with our attention, and with doing certain exercises to focus the mind in particular ways, the mind and body, we are able to create change in our brain. And I think this is crucial for those of us who are in music, and especially those of us who are trying to, I think, rewire how we think about music as adults. 
So I started to teach adults. That's where I was. And I absolutely knew that people could do things if they could only figure out the most efficient approach. So I would find that people would be unable to tell what intervals are in any, at any reasonable speed, even though they were excellent musicians. So I thought, well, wait a minute, I could learn French. I can learn Italian as an adult. I can learn science as an adult. Why can't I learn to do these musical things as an adult? So I had done that in high school, which is why I tested better. So I believe very strongly in the idea of neuroplasticity. That is, when we understand the mechanisms of how we learn, we can then begin to apply these to create changes in our brain. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) And how does that show up, like literally? Well, literally, it means that somebody can go from not being able to do something at all to being able to do it quite quickly and without much effort. So that would be an example of, all right, what sudden some fairy godmother just came down and bestowed you with some kind of magic? No, you changed the way you used your brain. You changed your focus. And this created a change in the whole way that you start to process information. So concretely, I'll do a test for students or very often when I would do a workshop where I would play intervals very slowly in the typical way that you would in a test, you know, and then repeat it. So I'd play a perfect fourth, both notes uh, together. And the person would have to figure out what that interval is. It might be a perfect fourth. I'll play it again at the same pitch level. And then I'll do another interval in another place. The person identifies it. And typically when I would do this test, honestly, it still happens. Very good musicians very often can get no more than about 50% correct, even if they've gone through conservatory training. Mm -hmm. That's serious. But within a few minutes, I can be having them identifying intervals, whether they're dissonant, modal, or perfect, and being able to do that at the rate of one per second and be 100% accurate. So I'll do this at workshops quite often where there will be a group, a large group of individuals, certainly at my intensives. And because I'm showing you how to do it, I'm not just saying, here, do this. I'm showing you, listen to this to be able to tell dissonant from modal. Listen to this when you're having to tell modal from perfect, though. Now when you're having to tell dissonant from perfect, you'll notice this. So it's giving very concrete things in which the mind focuses, and it means that suddenly you can go from not being able to do something at all to being able to do it in time. So it's sort of shocking, but it shows the potential of the mind to be able to to think differently. So in music, very often we tend to be fatalistic, nihilistic in that we tend to believe you can either do it or you can't. And that is the prevalent philosophy. Mm. And and you know it, Karen. It is, you've got a good year or you don't. If you don't, you never will. And we're going to pass you through and kind of bolster you through and get you past it. And of course, everyone who doesn't have absolute pitch comes out feeling usually less than okay to be kind. 
And, but that isn't fluent, that isn't useful. You can't do it. And so you then believe that you can't do it. You're hypnotized into believing you can't do it. You yes. can do it. <laughs> that is very accurate. What you just said brought back a terrible flashback. I remember being in um, a wind ensemble or orchestra or something, um, and the, the person in charge said something to the effect of like, you know, this is Mozart. It's either good or not. It's you're either pregnant or you're not. There's no in between. That oh my that gosh. is wrong. <laughs> and I just remember being like, oh my gosh, that feels really intense. No, it is just ignorant. Yeah, it's ignorant. And wow. again, I'm sure the person didn't intend, or at least hope didn't intend to be uh, malevolent. But nonetheless, it's an ignorant statement. So it's not describing how you can sound like Mozart or. or <laughs> what is it that sounds like Mozart? And right. can you make it sound like Mozart? Uh, so this is what we deal with a lot in music. So where I deal with neuroplasticity a lot is that we have to reframe how we do things. So I've spoken in past podcasts about the importance of being able to track pitch space. That is to be able to count semitones as you move from one note to another. It's not enough to know two notes. You have to know their relationship in pitch space. You know, da versus ah. The, the second one was less distance, shorter distance, and you can feel it in your voice. So um, ultimately, we have to reframe how we're thinking. And instead of thinking, um, like, here comes the bride is a perfect fourth, Da da, you know that uh, that you're really feeling ah versus ah 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 that we feel is a larger distance, larger pitch space. So here comes a bride becomes silly because I be I believe our brain is measuring pitch space. Mm. Okay, so I think that that's what's happening when we can sing here comes the bride correctly uh, sorry Wagner but uh, definitely this is a skill that the brain can do so where neuroplasticity is really coming into business here is when I'm asking a very fine musician already very successful to suddenly have to rethink in this way when they're reading notes on the staff they're not just reading notes they're reading pitch spaces between notes so they're having to see that goes up from this note and it goes up a perfect fourth. Now can you track the five semitones or is it six if it's an augmented fourth? You're having to track the pitch space. You're having to now create this awareness that I believe your mind already is employing, but it's in a different part of your brain. So we're using, I believe, more right brain, probably right hemisphere. We're, mm. we're whatever, definitely spatial perceptions, spatial motor perceptions, which are different than the kind of concrete broker's region by memory, a perfect fourth from D up to G. Uh, you know, it's, it's not information. It's actually feeling or sensing pitch spaces. It's effortless to do this because I think our brains are already doing it but it does require a completely different way of looking at it and being able to simplify it to go back to being a child. So that's the good news. So I believe actually all that we need is in there, but we need to believe in ourselves that we have that capacity to 
improvise, to have our own thoughts, to be able to track pitch space, to be able to recognize die chords by ear, to be able to hear chords. Imagine being able to hear a chord progression and know all four notes that are being played at once in real time and be able to play them back. That's normal. Believe me, that is something you can acquire at the end of one semester. Um, in in uh, the classes at Blair, that's what we were usually doing at the end of the first semester, that students could do that. So this is what we want to be exploring is our capacity to grow and change and develop. Yeah, oh, that's so fascinating. Um, as far as like the neuroplasticity itself, so I've read that your brain changes shape and moves and therefore is, is malleable. Is this something that can happen forever, as long as you're alive? Oh, I definitely believe that that's what the evidence is, wow. is that uh, the brain is always changing. It is adapting to circumstances and whatever those circumstances are. If you're not using a muscle, it degenerates, and it seems to be true for the mind. If we don't use certain ideas or concepts, those can die away. This can be a very sad thing, but it can be a good thing if we're trying to develop other positive habits for old ones to let to be gently allowed to fall away. So it's, yes, I believe we are constantly changing. So I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to shift to talking about the brain and the mind. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking in, in the previous episode around like improvisation and it feeling like a mistake, mm -hmm. um, how do you reconcile, you know, learning a new skill, knowing the difference between it's, it's correct or that it's improvisatory, but then also the ego and how it just comes in. It's like, as I'm learning a new skill, is this ever going to happen for me? Like even just you saying that it's normal to hear, it's like, is it, is it a miracle? I don't know. <laughs> like, how do you reconcile between like what the brain can do and what the mind believes it can do? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think that as adults, we have problems, perhaps, this is my own theory, I might be completely wrong here, but I think it's because of executive function being fully developed by the age of 27, and that's our coach, I believe. That's the, the thing that's directing our awareness, and that that has become fully developed. So the tendency to judge, which I call looking back, uh, is trained to be violating important principles. It's creating a, potentially a stutter. Certainly it's creating an error. The coach has to get out. So that's one of the things that we train in is first recognize that your coach is in there judging. Toddlers don't judge hmm. unless they've been damaged. That doesn't mean they're not, they don't have good judgment because they have remarkably good judgment in so many ways that they survive even, but they're not sitting there judging themselves. And so the ego to me is, this is again, I, I, my metaphysical inclinations and philosophical, spiritual inclinations. I would say that our ego is the thing that we think is who we are. And that's based on memories. It's based on experiences and I think that it's it's really what makes decisions. That's how we make decisions. My husband, Keith Hill, would say, 
you know your soul because of the decisions you make. And mm, so that's good. ultimately, what we have to learn to do is to gently and kindly train the brain to stop judging in the process of making music. Instead, what needs to be happening is we want to be using our skill, for example, our executive function, to determine what do I need to know to be able to do this? Like if I'm just doing a two pattern, I need to know one is on the left and two is on the right in this game that we're playing. And that I've got a sense of what the game is. I, I know what the pieces are and how they work and operate. And now I'm just going to play with them. So it's the ability to allow yourself to play mm. in small things and then observe when that was that your brain comes in, it stops, it aborts, it's, you know, judges. That's an important observation, but you have to realize, wow, that is destructive. And it's one of the hardest things with my adult students to train them to do is to stop aborting because they're judging. Just keep going. If you only want to do seven notes, just do seven notes, but yeah. you don't get to stop. So the idea is that you want to improvise. I'm going to improvise for one minute and I'm just going to do it. Very importantly, you begin to learn how to let go of that judging. That does not mean you don't acquire increasing discernment because you will. You will learn how to be crawling as a child and how to begin to walk. You will learn how to become more elegant and balanced in your walk unless something happens that's, that's really unusual. You will learn how to operate naturally such that you always want to be better, that you're yearning to be better, not forced to be better, but yearning to improve, to just explore more. And that is what will eventually cause the, I believe, the inner coach to behave itself and to say, ooh, I'm, shall we try something new? You know, let's try something new. Let's do a three pattern. Okay, left, right, right. So let's, let's ooh, okay, now I've got that really well. Now let's make it more interesting. That is, to me, the natural progression of the human mind. The ego is what's trying to keep you alive. I'm so sorry. Yeah, though we, we've got to keep in mind as musicians that there's no boa constrictor lurking around. Or <laughs> we have to turn down our limbic responses and, and make sure that we're staying in love mode. You know, so that's crucial. But it's a gentle, has to be a gentle process. Mm, I love that, love mode. Um, while you were saying all of this, I, I started thinking, this all sounds awesome and quite simple. But then I think of our lifestyle mm -hmm. in the United States specifically. And this seems like it requires quite a bit of time and patience, which does not feel like is available um mm -hmm. how what do we do with that like what would you suggest and, and maybe like what are some of the hardships you're recognizing with your students yes i think acquiring constructive musical habits can be quite challenging so many of my students are performing in different cities uh, during a period of a month uh, some of them also have full-time positions at a university 
and they have all kinds of performance opportunities and they have families in many cases and they have lots of people in their lives lots of things to distract them so indeed it is a challenge but i always like to say there's musical hygiene <laughs> so somehow we have time to brush our teeth and i think that's what we want to start doing and so i'll tell my students look here's the deal every day you play i don't even like to say practice you play at this stuff for 20 minutes a day 20 minutes doesn't have to be at the same time every day it can be it's often said that that's the best thing to do if you're trying to establish a new habit you don't have to if you have 10 minutes here and 12 minutes here fabulous you know but this is the deal you go to sleep every night and you make sure <laughs> that your iphone watch or whatever it is that you have <laughs> sets an alarm and said did you practice your 20 minutes today and if you didn't you get your little body out of bed <laughs> or even in bed and you practice i recommend getting out of bed practice you do your thing for 20 minutes yeah and it is like hygiene and we have to understand that in terms of neuroplasticity if we're going to change our brain we have got to give it love we've got to and love is attention that's what Mademoiselle Boulanger said you know and that's talent as I mentioned in one of my first podcasts with you here Karen so to me I think that that's the the secret is that you're loving 20 minutes a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sounds like the compounded interest of just doing it every day correct and it's not the amount of time or to the degree in which you do it but just that consistency it is and it's telling your brain this is important enough for me to do it every day pretty soon it begins to bleed into everything because you start finding you you're doing rhythms you're listening to rhythms and i've had many people tell me this over the last semester they're they're knowing what the rhythms are that they're hearing and consciously and uh, they they find that they're able to hear the dichords and know what the scale degrees are and what the chords are that they're hearing so this is what begins to happen it, it begins to be that you're nourishing the roots of a beautiful tree that those roots have been starved so you're going to be loving and nourishing those roots and what's going to happen is the tree is going to bear fruit it's not if you completely neglect those roots. It's just not. You're, you're only going to get what you put in. But that putting in the best fertilizer is your joy and your love. Because believe me, that's going to be what really energizes everything. Because it's going to make you want to do it the next day. And if you encounter difficulties, you use that neuroplasticity to say, okay, so where am I having troubles? Let's turn this into fun instead of something we were afraid of. So oh, I'm afraid if I have to move from an E to an F sharp, I don't know that that's two semitones. Yeah. Like, wow. Let's reframe that to, ooh, I can feel <laughs> moving over that F to that F sharp. And whoa, I mm -hmm. get that cool slide there. So that we become masters at creativity, of creating our own love mode space and of course the more that happens the quicker that tree bears fruit mm. the less that happens the more it struggles but that's just 
I mean, why do something painfully when you can have fun? Yeah, absolutely. With this, all of this changing, um, is it possible to learn it wrong? Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> when I'm working with people, I have ways <laughs> of being able to find out if they've been cheating. Uh, in other <laughs> words, going back to an old way of learning to do something. So uh, it's not hard to tell. Yeah. And, uh, but then what's great about it is to just, you know, I'll do a boulanger on them, which is to kind of make it immediately more challenging. Like, let's transpose it. <laughs> it quickly reveals the, where you're, you've gone wrong and then quickly demonstrates that, oh, if I do it this way, like you told me, it's much easier and I am much faster. So, yeah, you yeah. can. It yeah. sounds then, based on that, that the accountability of working with someone on this is super valuable. It is. It isn't, I think, absolutely necessary, but I think that uh, definitely if you need accountability, I believe it's important. And most people with whom I work, though they're very mature and they're extraordinarily successful in their work, I think they want, they appreciate having that accountability. They appreciate me yeah. being there to to watch them in the same way when I study with Boulanger. I mean, it's it's a it's having somebody who really is an expert be able to help you to you know onto that path of change and growth. And uh, you know, I'm I'm there to say, look, you know. You, you can choose the fear mode path, but I'm telling you, this one over here is really much better. And they, I can help them to do that. And then they go, oh my God, that was not that hard mm -hmm. after all. But, you know, we all learn when we learn. So, yeah. yeah. Sounds like you're a spiritual guide to your students. Well, I, I hope I am. I, <laughs> I sure hope so. I certainly learn all kinds of spiritual lessons from them. So I'm, I'm very graced by them. So... Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking about all of this, Marianne. Was there anything else you wanted to say before we wrapped up? I think that's about it for this session. Be great. Yes. Okay. So we will talk some more, um, but stay tuned for, for more episodes as we expand on, on this series here in the new year. Um, as always, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Music. You can find Marianne at thepluggermethod.com. You can find her on Marianne on Instagram, the Plugger Method on Facebook, and uh, let us know what you think about this episode and feel free to share it with your friends. Bye.